the switch yeah so um you find out with your client what that client hates the most or something in the in in the past where so for example they hate coca-cola or they hate the smell of coca-cola yeah so what you would do you would switch it around and bring in the cigarettes yeah but you'd mask it as they're smoking the cigarette they're getting this instead of getting the smell from the smoke they're actually getting a smell of coca-cola yeah sure and then you just implement that and you hammer it in there like you just keep going you keep repeating it and you keep repeating it until it's it's basically like mind training yeah you're training the mind to you know get that new sort of insight into it thanks for being here for yet another episode of people with a passion today's guest is al robinson who is a hypnotherapist he helps people change their behaviors and lives using hypnosis he was a skeptic at first when he first uh, encountered hypnosis he's come from a family of hypnotists and his mother he used to be worried that she was always trying to hypnotize him. So he was very skeptical until a time in his life where he wanted to change some things and he started deciding that he wanted to quit smoking and his mother helped him quit smoking with hypnosis and then he was sold on it to the point that he made it his career. So if you are someone that's wanting to change your behaviors or life, then he'll provide some information around NLP techniques that'll help you do that, as well as how you can connect with him if you're looking for a hypnotherapist. If you haven't yet subscribed to the channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and of course the notification bell to be advised when new interviews are uploaded. I hope you enjoy this episode of People With A Passion with guest Al Robinson. Today's episode is brought to you by Applaudable.net. G'day everyone, thanks for joining us for a, another episode of People With A Passion. Today I'm being joined by Alan Robinson of Alan Robinson Hypnotherapy. <laughs> I'm hoping that we don't get hypnotized today, but he's going to tell us all about hypnosis as well as some um, of the NLP practitioner and life coaching that he does. Thanks for being here, Alan. How no are you worries. going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, I appreciate you making the trip into the studio no to, to do this. I've been doing a lot of stuff on Skype lately, so yeah. having people in the studio is, uh, is my preference. Yeah. So the fact get, you're getting back to normal now, slowly, slowly, good, yeah. yeah. So we'll get straight into it. You've uh, been doing hypnosis for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. but your family has a long history with hypnosis. But mm. you were sort of a little bit standoffish with it when you were younger. Yes. Do you want to talk about your family's history with it, and mm. then what? led you down the path of becoming a hypnotherapist yourself Mm, yeah definitely so we moved over from england in 2003 and my family has a massive swimming background and coaching and and when we moved over here mum and dad were you know very involved with the surf club and the swim club and everything got involved and then obviously they started finding out about you know hypnotherapy and NLP and the benefits that it can do for you know sports sports performance and my mother Julie basically looked into it and kept on looking into it and there was some other issues there with the family itself with my sister who was also a practitioner now she had a back pain Mm -hmm. and she tried everything nothing nothing helped until she went and saw a hypnotherapist so that was the belief for them. And then my mum 
Julie was just, right, I want more. I want to know more. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? And then mum ended up doing the course and went from there. So how long has she been doing it? Oh, I'm not too sure. Probably 10-year mark, I reckon, even over. Yeah. So you only recently took this up and you did your NLP master... Mm. uh, Sorry, you did your NLP practitioner... Yeah, a couple of years ago, you completed that, and you've got your hypnotherapy mm-hmm. certifications as well. Yeah, what led you down the path to actually arrive to the point where you actually decided, yeah, this is what I want to do? Mm. Because you, for a long while, resisted the whole concept of hypnosis and even yeah, being hypnotized. Definitely. So, do you want to explain? Definitely. Whenever, whenever Mum would like talk to us when we were kids. Especially during my teens, I wasn't a very good teenager, like most of us when we're teenagers. Mum would, you know, sometimes talk to me just like normal, and I'd be like, "Oh, is she trying to hypnotise me? Oh, what's going on here?" So I was, I was very skeptical about it, but I had no knowledge about it. And it wasn't until I actually did the research to benefit my own mental health that was when I found out truly what it was all about. And that was what really interested me, hmm. especially what it did for me personally with my mental health and my, you know, personal issues that I had at the time. And it was the only thing that got me out of the rut that I was in. You know? Are you happy to speak to those experiences? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so definitely. so you sort of alluded that in your teenage years, you, you mm. like a lot of people go through that state of, of almost rebellion against what's mm. the rules, which is... Not uncommon. Um, mm. A lot of people, that's the years we're expected to make mistakes. Mm. So you sort of indicated that there was issues with addiction there and there's mm. also issues with uh, mental health related to depression. So do you want to speak to those experiences? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Pretty much started at, you know, high school. I was I was always very fit, very busy, uh, especially with my sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was still swimming when we moved over here and then I found rugby so I ended up playing rugby union and it went off from rugby union to you know went down the path of you know the first thing was smoking and you know just experiencing different sort of highs you know as a curious teenager would be and yeah I just went off from there so there was an addictive behaviors mm. there and yeah, trying to definitely. find and chase the high which as you know as an nlp practitioner these mm. days that a lot of that is masking something else that there mm. were other issues so was there issues do you feel with you moving over from australia was that a big move for you because you came as an early teen and that mm. can be pretty tough because you've you've almost established an identity yeah, personality I and friends or? i wouldn't think i wouldn't think that had any effect on it because coming out of hit Coming out of England to here is unreal, yeah. right? Like, you England it. is just boring when you're a kid, you know? All I did was just swim because yeah. I was bored and, you know, didn't have a PlayStation at the time, so... Were you, or where do you feel that direction? Was it your own driving force to try different things? Was that the yes. sort of inquisitive mind? Yes. Because um, I know some people can also be led by you know the group mentality and mm. fitting in so for you was it more of a discovery I think, and I think things it was, or a, was bit a bit of both? a bit of different 
things. Yes. It was also a thing I loved. Um, my family being with a massive sport background, it was no cigarettes. Oh, yeah. No, no this, no that, no this, no mm. that, you know. Obviously very strict with, you know, the physical work that, you know, they would do as athletes, yeah. And I think it was just a way of rebelling against that maybe but I do believe with me it was a bit of everything it was a bit of fitting in with my mates you know if my mates were like you know let's go smoke a joint cross the road from school yeah I'd be like yeah too easy let's go you know Mm -hmm. so I I do believe it was a bit a bit of everything involved in it it didn't immobilize you completely because you managed to become a a a chef Mm. so it wasn't like life stopped for you because of yeah, that. Yeah, look, it did stop at a certain stage, I think, when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, there was certain things that actually caught up with me, especially okay. with the law. Yeah. Um, and that was a big eye-opener. And I think the biggest smack in the face that woke me up was my father telling me that if I go to jail then I'm pretty much out of the family, basically. Yeah. And that was like a wake-up call to mm-hmm. be like, shit, I need to sort my stuff out. Yeah. You know? So at what time frame in your life did depression become a thing for you? Um... Definitely, it wasn't during the drugs and the rebellion, um, weirdly enough. It was when I came back to normality. Mm-hmm. So when I moved back in with mum and dad, I started, you know, working. I left school in grade 10. Yeah. And I moved out of home, lived with a um, girlfriend in the hinterland, yeah. the Andina way, and went from there. And then I basically moved back in and, you know, obviously didn't have to pay rent, but I wanted to get a job. And yeah, I ended up getting a job back in hospitality, which I was always in and out of hospitality yeah, as a, yeah. a dishwasher, kitchen yes, hand. Yeah, yeah. So it was something that I knew. It was something that I had experience with, even though I was only, you know, I was probably about 16 then. Yeah, sure. So at least I had that experience already. So I was ahead of other people mm, that had mm. stayed in school, you know, because I was working straight away um, to be able to pay for all the stuff that I wanted. Yeah, you know? sure. Um, so tell me, what, what was school like for you? Like, like obviously you're making these decisions mm. as a teenager, but what was the school life? Were you a good student or was school not what you were invested um, in? I was a terrible student, but I was a smart ass and mm-hmm. I was funny and I, I loved to entertain. Yeah. You know, so it was, I enjoyed school. <laughs> Luckily enough, I wasn't at a private school, Sure. you know, because imagine that. But um, no, so you I, you enjoyed the company and the socialisation mm, and exactly and, and, yeah. and a form of attention, I guess. Mm. If your mates thought you were funny, that was a, mm. a, almost an acceptance. Yeah, more of a like a entertainment sort of, you know. If I made you know somebody laugh by me acting like a dickhead, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there's a little bit in that in a good amount of us. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. That's, that's not an unhealthy thing. Yeah. again, you know, when it's just done. And I didn't. Just... I didn't really pick anything up at school, mm-hmm. especially high school. I tried, but <laughs> yeah, it just it would just kept on failing. Like yeah. my my year eight report card is like e e e e, and then if I got a D plus, I was like yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 well improvement. 
So let's talk a little bit about arriving to come to be hypnotized mm. to to start believing hey this may actually help mm. me and how that's led you to doing what yeah. you do today so at what point did you decide uh, um, and who hypnotized you the first time you allowed yourself to be hypnotized because one of the things with hypnosis is mm. you actually have to give people permission to do it mm. um, you have to be accepting that there's a chance it'll work because if you've got any degree of skepticism you're more likely not to have any mm. success with it so That's do you want right. to explain your changing your beliefs around it even though your mum was a hypnotist what what worked for you the first time i tried hypnosis was actually with my mum i went and saw a totally random hypnotherapist mm-hmm on the Sunshine Coast, um, and he was just wearing a suit, tie, and here's me walking in with, like, shirt and a shorts. Uh, just, it just wasn't there mm-hmm. at all. Um, and the first time I got hypnotised by mum was, I think it was for smoking, smoking cigarettes. I couldn't believe it. I was like, why haven't I done this before? This is just the feeling, the feeling. It was nice to have that. With everything going on in so, life. So what was good... the feeling? So you've just described mm. things were going on in life. You get hypnotized. You come out of your first hypnosis mm. session. What is the feeling that you're experiencing? Yeah. It's just... You felt energized? Let's, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So definitely. motivation? Yeah, definitely. Massively. Yeah. yeah. But it was also a way to... It was a form of investigation for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. as well. Because it was like, I don't want to pay the money for you know smoking because i was still smoking yes at the time but it was more of a i need to check this out i need to see what what so it, it does a, what it was a test was. so yeah, it was a it, test it was a test yeah so and and how open were you on your first like were you at that point saying okay i'm going to do this so i need to be as open as possible about mm. the chances of it working and and that i need I to be think, open-minded i think the the good thing was was it was with my mum. Yeah. You know, so obviously my mum knows me since I was born. So it was, it was very, it was, there, there was that connection there. There was the rapport was there. The comfortability was there. There's a lot of myths around hypnosis mm. and what it actually is and what it actually does, which is, you could say, caused by Hollywood more than anything else. Mm. Um, it has a bit of a bad rap and it's seen as an alternative sort of yeah. form of therapy but do you want to explain the process because you looked this sparked your uh your interest in it mm. to the point that once you got hypnotized you then said because it helped you you yeah. go wow this there is something to this now i'm interested yeah so it, it was that experience literally changed your whole life to mm. the point now you're looking at helping others use using hypnotherapy as well as your nlp and your life coaching yeah. explain to me what uh hypnotism actually is from what you've studied mm, the best the best way i like to describe it to my clients without getting too technical is it's a heavy relaxation where basically your conscious mind which is the mind that is talking right now i'm saying words yeah but my unconscious mind is chucking my hands around like an idiot yeah and it gives the chance for a conscious mind to relax and just back off a bit and lets us work with the unconscious mind. You talk about the conscious mind, that we're doing things all the time mm. subconsciously. Yeah, driving. 
yes. driving. When we drive, sometimes you might be driving and you just subconsciously just flick the indicator up and turn left. And then you think five minutes back and you're like, oh, when, when did we turn left and put an indicator on? You know, so there's a bit of a drive there with it. We, we do actually go into hypnosis all, all the time, you know, yeah. uh, watching a movie. Yeah, when we're in a movie, when we're, you know, it's a sad scene in the movie. Our mind starts to feel those feelings of what's going on in that movie. Yeah. So getting someone into a state of hypnosis, mm. which there are different types of methodologies to actually produce a state where people are then suggest the suggestibility mm-hmm. that you can sort of make suggestions to them to change their behaviors. Mm. Because uh, ultimately, that's what you're trying to achieve with hypnosis is a change of state, yeah? Mm. It's it's not just like changing the state. It's also... I guess it's it's building rapport with your unconscious mind. Yeah? So it's building a relationship that you might not have realized that you can have with your unconscious mind. So the client can figure out... Why am I doing these behaviors? What is driving these behaviors? Yeah. So what? Where is the the main engine? Why am I smoking? Why am I drinking two bottles of red wine a night? Why am I um, doing anxiety when I'm trying to be up on stage? Yeah. So it's so it's more of a building a relationship, building a rapport with your unconscious mind, and that's that's what we're trying to do is work out, get these conscious mind and unconscious mind to come together and work, work together, yeah. basically. But yeah, so, so we do things without the thought process. And I guess what you're trying to do is when you're connecting that unconscious mind mm. and the conscious mind is you're trying to have the unconscious mind marry up with what you are aware of. Mm. So it's almost bringing to awareness the things you may not consider when you go to mm. do something. So... With your process of getting someone into hypnosis, I imagine you've got a multitude of clients. Mm. So are you taking a different approach with those clients? Yeah, every every client is different. It, it I don't think... I think when I was doing my case studies with the course I did, um, obviously it was by the book. Yeah. That's a, you know, had a little script. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but now it's it's just got to be tailor-made for the, for the client. So... What are some of the examples that you could give of uh, hypnotherapy with a client mm. um, with your approach? So, so I like basketball, for example, mm. is probably where I'll go. Yeah. Um, you've met me for the first time. What are you saying to me? And then before we go into a session, what's the, the process that you'd be applying if you just met me for the first time? Well, I would probably look at the, the positives in playing basketball, the feelings of actually getting a swish, yeah, mm-hmm. and using that. So um, magnifying that feeling that, you know, because when you, like, I don't know about you, but when I've done something pretty cool, I have a, oh, that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I would magnify that and utilize that in with it. So with hypnosis, how do you get someone into a state of hypnosis? Don't have to hypnotize me on camera, but Mm. what's your process? Just like that. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Look, it um, a lot of breathing. I I love I love getting the client in control. Mm -hmm. I they've got to be in control, and that that comes with rapport. That comes with comfortability. Yeah. So I sort of give a little bit 
to the client yeah you know and i start with breathing so if they're a bit like edgy and they might be shaking their leg like this and they might be yeah then i might just start going okay well when you're ready how about you just start taking some you know deep breaths in and out until you start feeling more and more 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 relaxed sure so it gives it gives the client a sense of um oh what's the word <laughs> you said control earlier. control yeah so yeah. so you were you were alluding before we came into the studio here mm. asked you about the the you know quick incantation methods where you mm. click your finger or you grab an arm or whatever and you said the problem with that approach while it does work it it gives the hypnotist a sense of control mm. and people like to feel that they actually have control. So yeah. your approach is very much geared around yeah, ensuring that the, hip, the, the, the client is comfortable with, yeah. with the process. Exactly, because the main question that I get from clients or future clients or clients that, you know, are just investigating it is, will I be in control? Mm. And yeah, and I, th- I think anyone who's seen like stage hypnotists, which mm. can give hypnotists a bad name. Yeah for two reasons one is that potentially with a hypnotist on on stage is it is purely for entertainment value and Mm. people seem to have completely lost control yeah and then there's the myth around whether those people and some actually do play to the hypnotist Mm. they may not well be hypnotized not all but some and they try and eliminate them some might just be doing the hypnotist a favor or you know what what happens there is that they shortlist people yeah, so they shortlist them. So they give them a go under hypnosis and if yeah. they're highly suggestive, yeah? Yeah. So say if I was going to go on stage and, you know, I had to choose between you and someone else, yeah? Then I would go, okay, I would put you into a, a pretty quick induction yeah. of hypnosis yeah. and I would say, right, now I want you to touch your nose. Mm-hmm. And then if you touch your nose, bingo, you're yeah. the man, yeah? Yeah. You're the man to make me look good, Yeah. Um, if I did it to the other person, the other person just goes, mm-hmm. and then the conscious mind starts kicking in. The guy's sitting there going, why is he getting me to touch my nose? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. then it's not going to... It's So let's talk about suggestibility a mm. bit, actually, because that's a demonstration of suggestibility. So people who are highly suggestible, and mm. what... Actually, let's define that. So what is suggestibility? Suggestibility is utilizing what the client wants yeah so it's thinking ahead so if the client wants to quit smoking you would give them you can give them a suggestion of you know you were only going to have two cigarettes tomorrow instead of 10 mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's basically how how it works if if the client now this is this is the interesting thing here is if the client does not want to do that suggestion 100% no yeah right, right. so so the person that they've got to want that change mm-hmm. to occur or want to, or be open to that suggestion exactly and that's that's hard with addictions as well mm-hmm. because sometimes with addictions there's a positive gain there so they're doing it for something yeah. or it's giving them something so Two questions around suggestibility then and coming into the side of addiction. So mm. often you do hear people try hypnosis and they think it's a one one session uh, 
one fix. hit wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they think oh, I get hypnotized and mm. that and that's it. So I imagine over time people who have hip, been hypnotized as they become more comfortable with it become more uh, susceptible to suggestibility, mm. meaning they're accepting more accepting of it and therefore more sessions may result in better results. Mm. One the first session it's there's a lot of work. There's mm-hmm. a lot of work to do. There is a lot of work to do. And I, I tell my clients as soon as they sit in the chair, if you're ready and you want to pursue this, then it's it's not, it just doesn't yeah. just happen like that. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, there is a lot of work. There is, you know, I implement coaching as well as NLP and hypnotherapy. So um, especially with addictions, I love using a coaching approach because sometimes you can see a therapist for, um, let's say, you know, addicted to smack or something, mm-hmm. yeah? And they would, you know, do their stuff, blah, 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 blah. You walk out, see you next week. What happens in between? Yeah. That that space between, yeah? You can go crazy and so get back you, on it. When you're talking to the subconscious mind and are you trying to create triggers and changes of behavior so that when the subconscious would think of doing something ahead of you doing it, I guess, mm. are you trying to reprogram that aspect where they're, they're, they're like, I know one of the examples, and, and this is a good example for mm. an entertainment style of thing is, is they can hand someone something that tastes terrible and make it taste okay like yeah. an onion for the, example yeah, yeah the I've onion test yeah. Yeah. yeah so i've heard with say cigarette smoking and that that the behavior is is that you convince them yeah. that every time they put a cigarette to their mouth the good old switch yes yeah, yeah that it that, that there's something terrible mm. about it like it might have definitely, poo on the end definitely so that's <laughs> that's a very popular nlp uh technique as so, well so which is very called? useful the switch the switch yeah so um you find out with your client what that client hates the most or something in the, in, in the past where, so for example, they hate Coca-Cola or they hate the smell of Coca-Cola, yeah? So what you would do, you would switch it around and bring in the cigarettes, yeah? But you'd mask it as they're smoking the cigarette they're getting this instead of getting the smell from the smoke they're actually getting a smell of coca-cola yeah sure and then you just implement that and you hammer it in there like you just keep going you keep repeating it and you keep repeating it until it's it's basically like mind training yeah you're training the mind to you know get that new sort of insight into it yeah i've spoken with a number of neuro-linguistic programmers mm. on the show not many but a handful mm. it's something that again uh alternative approach uh psychologists are using the same principles and i think because Mm. you're not studying necessarily psychology you're doing an external course and it is a different um line of practice Mm -hmm. but some of both psychologists and nlp practitioners use a lot of the same tools and approaches Mm. with nlp it is actually programming so the people i've spoken to have said everything that we do at every thing that we either learn or experience we have or situation mm. we're in there is some piece of that that gets interpreted and stored to be recalled later whether it's needed or not but there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the subconscious that we don't even and aren't even aware of it's sifting through what's relevant beliefs that's so, a big one 
So when we talk about NLP, mm. let's talk about this concept of, of program because what hypnosis is actually trying to do is to change that program as exampled by the Coke smell mm. in the smoke of a cigarette. So do you want to talk about the programming side of what you do? And, and you talked about the repetitiveness. Anything that changes behavior, you have to repeat it over and over and over yeah, again, definitely. whether it be that suggestibility is mm. being repeated or you as a person have to physically repeat the behavior. So let's talk about behaviors, beliefs, because you brought mm-hmm. that up and, and also programming. Programming. Yeah. So with, with programming it, the mind loves repetition. Yeah. So you think about learning. Yeah. So how, how do we learn to ride a bike? How do we learn how to play basketball? We don't just do it like that. It's, it's repetition. Yes. And that is the exact same thing with anything with the mind. When you're learning, when you're learning new behaviors, new good behaviors, there needs to be a repetition there. Yeah. So it sinks in. Nine times out of ten, if somebody is more conscious about a unconscious behavior, then naturally it's like, oh, don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, say if someone's shaking the leg when they're nervous. Yeah. They might have been doing that for 15 years or whatsoever and haven't even realized that, you know, it could be something to do with anxiety. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely a good point. So you re- raise the topic of beliefs. Where does that mm. impact hypnosis? So what, what beliefs, beliefs are huge. Everybody has beliefs. Um, our belief system is basically us. Yeah. Um, our gestalt in a way it's mm-hmm. it's who we are yeah um and beliefs could be uh also something from the past as well growing up when you're when you're young and you learn lessons and learnings and stuff from your parents or your sisters or your family yeah you can have a belief that you know drinking a carton of corona a night is normal yes as long as you have been building a house all day yes and that's where the belief is there yeah so what what happens is there is that the the client will have a belief and it will be so strong because they believe that that is the truth yeah but then i come in and i challenge that belief to help them i will challenge that belief and say okay well how is it true how do you benefit from it you know and i really challenge that did you go through that process yourself with a lot of your beliefs is that something you've had to do to change definitely so how much of your experience do you feel helps you help others um a lot a lot with addictions Mm -hmm. um because i have a massive understanding that you can't just walk out of a session and go i'm never gonna smoke a cigarette again in my whole life yeah i'm fixed you know some people need a helping hand in the meantime in between the sessions yeah so i love uh implementing coaching so i might send a client a text and say how many cigarettes have you had today yeah sure yeah and if they tell me 10 and their normal number was you know something 20 and they've cut back by half i'd be like that's awesome man yeah keep going that's great yeah, so it's in, there's that motivation that keeps motivating them and helping them, because sometimes the the belief 
can still be creep up and go, oh, it's okay. I'll just buy another packet. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's normal. Yeah. I've been smoking all my life and I haven't been sick or, you know, mm-hmm. but then there's that belief. Yeah. Yeah. So you, I saw one of your clients actually posted on your social medias mm. that they have a business coach and a sports coach, but they ah. never for once <laughs> considered that they would that need a, a life coach. That was yeah. a good and, one. And until they met you in, mm. the, in the hypnosis and you talk about your coaching, yeah. um, they've, I think they had quit smoking is one of the things that they indicated, was oh, it? I was think that it was a uh, sugary, sugary oh, was it? Drinks? Uh, energy drink. Oh, yeah, it was. Energy yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. So example doesn't really give you wings. <laughs> is what is that one? Yeah. All right. So um, again, addiction is highly caffeinated sports mm. drink. So it's there is a it's not just mm. a sports drink. It's actually there's something in there as well that is a substance that's making them mm. or contributing to their wanting to drink it. Yeah. So um, similar, you know, to cigarettes and nicotine and things like that. So. Uh, yeah, it's a good example there um, yeah. that I've seen. It is as a good evidence. one because everything everything needs to be tailor made. So um, that client's sessions were tailor made to who she was and the that client's beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Um, the beliefs was that um, the client was very athletic. Yeah, like overly athletic. Like I couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, calm yeah. down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, like good, good good on that person for for doing it and it was it came to the decision that well hang on a minute you've got a coach for that you got a coach for that you got a coach for that coach for that i'll be a coach for your energy drinks bring it on let's do it and obviously kept implementing the sessions there but it was a it was a simple just a uh checkup text message Mm. every afternoon saying oi how many have you had today? Yeah. And it gradually weaved off. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's been more of a higher success for me with addictions is weaving the clients off, not smacking them in mm-hmm. and going, no, nah, no way, no way. Cause other things can arise and it can get so much harder, you know? So yeah, I, I do believe that, that, you know, having, I wish I had it <laughs> when so, I was younger, you know, so, someone that can, you know, give you a kick up the bum and go, Oi, how many of that have you had today? Yeah. yeah. So accountability, it's interesting. People think that they can hold themselves to account, mm. but it's very hard to. Yeah, it's very hard. So having someone else it's in your easy. corner that actually can ask you that question of yourself where you have yeah. to, if you've got that rapport and that relationship, mm. you give an honest answer. Uh, then you realize, well, if my outcome or, or what I'm trying to achieve here requires me to do less mm. and I'm not, and someone's saying, well, have you done? Yeah. And you say no, then you uh, have to accept that yeah. you're not you know, changing or you're not mm. moving forward. Whereas on the flip side, you said if someone actually says, oh, I've had 10 when I normally have 20, then you're acknowledging that and that motivation becomes, mm-hmm. well, great, keep yeah. going. Let's tomorrow yeah. see if we can get to nine or exactly. eight or seven. Next week we'll go five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you see come yeah. five next week, and how does that make the client feel about themselves as they see those numbers oh, fall? Because, because the best the best way to describe this, and I'm, I, I say this to all my clients as well, I explain about like just a mountain, like Mount Everest, and you have all the, the base camps, Yeah. 
And if you're down the bottom of Mount Everest and you're only focusing on top of the mountain, yeah, it is going to be hard yeah. to get there. Really hard. But if you focus on the base camps and you take base camp, base camp, base camp, when you get to that base camp, you have an opportunity to look behind and go, yeah, right. Look what I just did. I'm pretty cool. Yeah. yeah? So it's like a self-motivation m- m- there. Mm. And so I don't want my clients to focus on, oh, no more anxiety at all. I want to be have control over anxiety. Yeah. I want my clients to go base by base by base. I want them to grow. Yeah. Yeah. If they just skip that growing and the lessons and the learnings, then they're just focusing on it, but they're still at the bottom. Yeah. So I've heard similar analogies like Mm. with ladders, like each rung of a ladder to arrive to the top. Exactly. Yeah. So, which which both are great analogies Mm. and people want to understand how to achieve something. And that's why they they often, you see the ladder of success. Yeah. Is is because, or steps, is because that's the approach of process. Yeah. Of that you don't arrive at exactly. the end, you've got to, you've got to, you've, got to you've got to love the process. You've got to, you've got to use the process of it. So, so many, especially nowadays, um, with you know the generations that are coming up, you know, with children, unfortunately, they're not getting taught the the processes, the processes of coming last, the processes of um, you know coming third instead of first. Yeah, it's not by enjoying the processes you're going to enjoy the growing of yourself as a human to getting to where you want to be to that first place so what would you say to like audience that are listening if they're not Mm. comfortable with hypnosis let's talk about ways that they might better understand it or or resources they might be able to look at to get a feel for what it really is about Mm. there is there is so much stuff out there, YouTube, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, even like YouTube and have a look, and you know, even don't research into the old seventeenth century stuff where it was a bit, bit weird. Yeah, obviously there was a lot of amazing work that was done and research that was done back then in Europe. You know, which is where you know uh, hypnosis originated from. Um, but look, just. Look into it and look into the therapists that you want. So who are some of the therapists that they would would be keen to look at? Well, it it all depends it all depends on what what they are. If they want somebody that's, you know, gonna be in a smart shirt and a smart suit and tie, mm-hmm. then look at the person's profile picture of their business. Yeah. And if you know, if yeah. if you want somebody that's that could be a bit like a psychologist yeah, in a sure. way but do the hypnosis then just figure out what you want first yeah so what you're comfortable with what you're comfortable with because nothing it's going to be very hard to get work done mm-hmm. if the client isn't comfortable yeah sure so what are some of the nlp techniques you apply to your life coaching so are you able to talk about mm. you know what some of the because there's a number of different uh, approaches and strategies oh, to bring so about many. change there's in so lives. Yeah. Are there any that are, that you find work? Uh, obviously, everyone's different, mm. but are there any that you sort of gravitate to because they seem to have a higher success in helping people deal with you know change? boundaries, boundaries, 
Yeah, that's, so that's a good boundaries. one. So boundaries is something that we can vision or get the feeling or the sensation from and using it in the moment. Mm-hmm. So for instance, uh, for example, a rock and roll star might be you know about to go on stage, but he might even look at the floor and go tap his feet on something and you know that gives him he gets that sensation and then he goes out and absolutely rocks it you know um so what's he trying to do with that is that creating a state of of like something that triggers the feeling before you do something yeah well yeah it's something that's um building familiarity yeah yeah but also train training yourself that you will be you will be fine okay you know so it's a good one for nerves yeah for example and that can be tailor-made to anybody. And look, it can be something so simple. It could even be, you know, there's even boundaries where you can think of, say, if somebody is, um, you know, very emotional at work or at home and they can't switch off, then there's something that they can do. They can do exercises in uh, using a boundary. They walk through a door and okay. that door, their front door can be a boundary that they walk in and they leave the stuff about work at that door. Yeah, yeah? sure. So it's different. There's, there's so many different things. And it all depends on the client. It depends, you know, what, what the client does, what the client likes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm self-employed, so that mm. that statement actually rings true to me mm. because I have an office space and the yep. moment I leave so the space... So there could also be an anchor, yeah? So when, when you're... Uh, you could um, invest in a shirt, yeah? Mm-hmm. A business shirt that you're wearing now so that you only are in your work mode when you are wearing your shirt yeah that way as soon as you take your shirt off and you put a, a, a casual one on you're back in action yeah? yeah and if you keep practicing these it's going to get easier and easier to separate the both yeah sure and that's that's interesting that you brought that up because obviously that is the 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 way to go and yeah. the way that um, the way of work that has been happening lately because one With of the COVID and everything like that. And look, it's, 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 it's not easy working mm. from home. Yeah. It's hard to separate it, but you do have the power in you to use these boundary games to help yourself to really dissociate from going from a different, um, state. Yeah. Yes. Cause, cause we're all different at work and we're all different at home. We're all different at the gym. We're all different in, in the surf we're all different Mm. wherever we are yeah so why not use that to our potential i think one of the biggest problems with being self-employed is when you actually have a workspace at home to separate your home life from your work life Mm. so you can find yourself working all hours of the day because you are self-employed so to making that ability to treat the day like a normal working day where you choose to you know it might be five six whatever time it might be that when you close Mm. that door behind you that you actually are finished for the day yeah and that you're not venturing back into the next day you've got to create that separation and balance yeah you don't want you don't want to mix it up but there's little things you can use even by yourself a work watch yeah and that as soon as you stop working or you go on uh lunch have lunch with your family you take that watch off and you leave it on the desk and you go out and Mm -hmm. you you know and it's it's a way of just 
counteracting and like spacing it apart mentally. You're doing the hypnosis where you have the client come to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there other things that you give those that you're hypnotizing the tools to reinforce and work in their own time with self-hypnosis and strategies? Not not? self-hypnosis, but definitely uh, using anchors and boundaries like what we've just, you know, discussed. Um, Another one as well is like release techniques. You know, I might tailor make a release technique. So when they have like a, a really bad feeling or the anxiety or depression comes back in their mind and they're stuck in a rut and they're like, oh, I just did a session the other day. Why is it happening? Yeah. yeah. So it's something that I can, you know, teach them to release it, whether it's blowing it out or whether yeah. it's, you know, all, all depends on, you know, uh, what the client is good at in that mm-hmm. sense. But at the end of the day, the client needs to practice and practice because you're not going to be able to train your mind without repetition. Yeah. So when a client sees me and they go, oh, I tried the release technique. It didn't work. It didn't work. And then straight away I ask, how many times did you try? Yeah. Have you been practicing it? You know? And I always say, like, on a happy note with the client, I'm always like, have a play with it. Like, investigate it. Sometimes it might it might change as well, especially with boundaries, yeah? So we're talking about the watch, talking about you could have a necklace, you could use the headphones that you wear when you're on the laptop, yeah? As soon as you put down the headphones, bang, out of it, you know? Yeah, sure. So this became a passion for you Mm. uh, after you experienced success with hypnotherapy, but what is the driving motivator for you taking it up? Like, what gives you Um, your... Well, look, it was... Growing up, I was in and out. I was in and out. I'd, I'd be good for like six months and then I'd be back in again. And I'd be, you know, and then I'd be good for a year. And then I started the chef apprenticeship, back into it. Yeah. You know, finished chef apprenticeship, back into it. You know, and I was in and out, in and out, in and out. And I could never like stay on like a good level. And it was being being in the industry it's 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 a pretty hectic industry uh especially with mental health yeah it's pretty full-on and obviously working my approach when i work as a chef is i'm just like the kid at high school that i was i am a joker yeah okay yeah um and it was it was great i i enjoy making my workmates laugh even while we're trying to pump out 120 meals in like mm. an hour. Yeah. You know which can be very stressful, but because we you know we're having fun, it's making it and it was that sensation that you know I was actually helping in a way. Yeah. And that was that was what I wanted. So so with your hypnosis that's the driving motivator for you mm. is to feel that you can help someone change their life and the and, yeah. and seeing them and getting getting that getting getting that you know review on facebook or getting the you know testimonial about the energy drink it's the the having the impact on somebody's life to you know so that they can better themselves and they can actually get that goal to where they want look i think we'll wrap it up there yeah alan i'll make sure i put 
links in the description below of Thank where you. people can get hold of yeah, you of course. Uh, if they want you know That'd to find awesome. out more. Yeah, definitely. And I really appreciate you coming and devoting time and energy to talking about your passion. Thanks for having um, me. Hypnotherapy and, and all the, also the life coaching and mm-hmm. the NLP stuff that you do. Um, and I would like to leave you with the last word. If you have anything you'd like to say to the audience around um, you know hypnotherapy or the myths mm. around it or something like that um, to encourage yeah. them to try it if they're looking for something and other methods haven't yeah, worked. Like an ending message. <laughs> yeah, an ending message. Yes. So you're getting sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Turn your phone off now. <laughs> um, take care of yourselves. Yeah. Your, remember your priorities. Your priorities might be your children. Your priorities might be uh, your you know, make up in the morning or your priorities might be going to the gym or work or, but at the end of the day, the number one priority needs to be yourself and you need to make sure you look after yourself, not only physically, but mentally. And yeah, if you've got any questions, any inquiries, message the page, give me a call. My number's on there. Send me an email, anything far away i'm all i'm all ears all right thanks for your time alan thank you that's great i hope you liked this episode if you did please give it a thumbs up and feel free to comment if you haven't yet subscribed hit the subscribe button and the notification bell to be advised of new interviews when they're uploaded i hope you join us again sometime catch you later